This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast. You might not recognise my voice. I'm Martin Dorman, stepping in for Aaron Flanagan, who is on a trip to Cincinnati. I'm going to leave it to you, the listeners, to decide if it's well-deserved or not. But nevertheless, the show must go on. And today I am joined by two of our finest, Alex Richards and Connor Mummery. And we're going to look ahead to all the football action, starting this weekend on the final day of the Premier League season. A very anticlimactic final day of the season I expect let's start at the top Alex Manchester City champions Manchester United second place Tottenham in the Champions League two clubs vying for that fourth spot but barring a disaster at home to Brighton it looks like Liverpool will reach the Champions League again next season yeah, it's all been very boring and it's all a bit cut and dry now, isn't it? I mean, mm. Manchester City have run away with the league, we've known that for some time. Manchester United have never looked like not finishing in the top four, despite whatever you've said about them this season, about the style of play, about losing to the likes of Brighton. Um, first time they've ever lost to all three promoted teams in a season in the Premier League era. Um, Liverpool, you'd expect them to do the business on Sunday and finish fourth Spurs were already there Chelsea on the outside looking in after the draw with Huddersfield Yeah it looked Connor to be interesting for a while Chelsea way back at one point but fought their way into contention but then a draw against Huddersfield hasn't ended their chances but certainly has allowed Tottenham to secure their place and really you just can't see Liverpool slipping up enough against Brighton no, you can't, and I think for for that to happen, obviously Chelsea need to win away at Newcastle. I'm not, I'm not really sure that's a given. To be honest, I mean Newcastle have taken points off United, Liverpool, Arsenal at St James's Park, Chelsea. You know, against Huddersfield, didn't really look like they uh, had much chance of beating anyone. I think it's a bit of a strange one with Conte choosing to, uh, you know, drop the likes of Hazard, drop Giroud, Bakayoko, all play well against Liverpool, uh, and bring them, bring in others for such an important game. We should just quickly mention Huddersfield. Sort of been overlooked in this discussion about top four, but they came up last season, of course, first time in the top flight since 1972. They came up via the playoffs, not just the playoffs, but through a penalty shootout in the final against Reading. For them to survive, Alex, is, is maybe as big an achievement as anything else in the Premier League this season. I'm absolutely amazed that they've survived, survived to be perfectly honest. Um, they were promoted last season with a negative goal difference. They got through the playoffs without actually scoring a goal themselves. Um, and now they're going to stay up having not even scored 30 goals this season Um, don't get me wrong David Wagner's done an absolutely incredible job there and they are punching well above their weight I don't think it's sustainable I think next season again they'll be in a relegation battle and I 
putting my neck on the line right now, I would have to say I think they will probably be relegated next season. But it's an absolutely remarkable achievement. I think it's overshadowed somewhat because of Burnley and how they've done this yeah. season. Um, but you you can't take away the work they've done. They've spent a bit, decent bit of money on forwards and the likes of Tomins. Departure, who scored against Chelsea, wasn't cheap. Steve Mounier wasn't cheap. But some pretty astute scouting, um, general good harmony at the club, right the way down from chairman to manager to players, incorporating the fans and another season of Premier League football for them, very well deserved at the end of the day. Absolutely, we'll, we'll come back to that relegation battle in a moment, but Conor, let's just return to Chelsea now, of course they can still win the FA Cup in the final against Manchester United next weekend, but let's assume Conte goes, where, where does that leave a club who continually chop and change in manager, continually searching for something, it seems to be Roman Abramovich is desperate for, he basically wants to watch Manchester City every week, instead he's watching Chelsea. Where do they go this summer in terms of assuming they need a new manager? Uh, well, I think anything else would be a bit of a culture shock unless you go down the same line as you know someone like uh, Sarri who's been linked from uh, from Napoli or maybe even Simeone. Well, that's why I think Simeone is way more likely to go to Chelsea than Arsenal because mm. I think he's got the players more suited to his style of play than he would have if he went to Arsenal. I do think they need a big shake-up and I think someone like Simeone would be huge for them. I think maybe someone like Sarri could possibly come in and they might win something next season. Uh, but, you know, you know how uh, Abramovich's patience is. Uh, you don't know how long they'll last. Well, I said there's winning something and there's, there's winning it well. I suppose they could well, as I said, win the, the FA Cup this season. But that's not enough, is it, Alex? Well, they've been winners throughout the mm. Abramovich era, haven't they? You know, they've chopped and changed, changed managers, but trophies have kept coming. You know, you go back to even when Rafa Benitez was manager and the fans really didn't like him. Mm. And by the end of it, he's walking away with the Europa League in his back pocket. Um, they have continually won, and yet it has continually not been enough. It's interesting you say about the he'd much rather probably be watching Manchester City. That's what he wants now, mm-hmm. isn't it? It used to be the great thing with Abramovich that he wanted to win the Champions League. Eventually, he did under Roberto Di Matteo. Um, and now it's he wants to see a side that plays football with style and wins with style. They won last season, and they romped to the title. This season, whatever's gone on behind closed doors with Antonio Conte, seemingly it's going to spell the end of the Italian. And Abramovich will now be looking for a manager who can deliver winning with style. It's almost as if that, that team selection, I'm not sure he would have made it last night if he thought he was going to be there next season. Because mm. he'd have been desperate to be in the Champions League next season if he thought that he was going to take that group of players into it. He insists he wasn't resting Eden Hazard. But, I right. mean, if you've got a must-win game... yeah looking towards the future looking towards the Champions League next season you don't rest your best player No, absolutely Chelsea, as you mentioned at Newcastle who have had a great run under Benitez at the start of the year slipped away a little bit and where does he look to go next season in terms of you know, he's he's called for funds for for since they came up never really been delivered the the big money that he wanted to, to take the club forward Easy to forget the Newcastle, where once well, still a big club. The fans will tell you the biggest club, but they're definitely not the biggest. <laughs> but what does he need to need this summer to, to really take them, you know, onwards? He needs funds, and he, he needs to be able to strengthen. He has got the fans on side there. It's almost a marriage of convenience. Him and Mike Ashley, mm. you know, um, Rafa is loved by the fans. He's taken a side that really this season should have been in more of a relegation battle and he's survived in the end pretty comfortably 
Um, Mike Ashley now has to loosen those purse strings and give him something that Rafa can build on because that's what he wants. He wants to go and build that club and he wants to go and take them towards a top six challenge. Um, it's just whether Mike Ashley is willing to do such. And if he isn't, and if Rafa has minimal funds again, then you can see Rafa walking away. It's a, it's a striker, really, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's really hard to progress in the Premier League unless you've got a £20 million striker, and they absolutely yeah. haven't got that. No. Like they, they could have genuinely scored two or three times at Spurs last night, but poor finishing from, I think it was Dwight Gale and Hosselu came on, he wasn't much better at all. Yeah. Easier said than done, though. Find, find, you know, everyone, wants a, well, yeah, I suppose. everyone wants a striker. Sticking with the lower half of the table, back to that relegation zone, West Brom, of course, despite Darren Moore's best efforts, are down. Stoke, despite Paul Lambert's less than best efforts, are down. Leaves Swansea and Southampton, but it pretty much leaves Swansea. They would need to beat Stoke at the weekend, very possible. For Southampton to lose to Man City, very possible. But for those two results to also include a nine-goal swing, which is not impossible, but unlikely. But Carlos Carvajal, Alex, came up... Well pronounced. Thank you. Yeah. I was worried about that. Came up from his spell at Sheffield Wednesday. Certainly endeared himself in terms of the way he spoke, his exuberance, shall we say, which I think irked plenty Sheffield Wednesday supporters. One in particular. Well, absolutely. But he, he, he looked good, and his side looked good for a while, but is he ultimately, if Swansea do indeed go down, has he just been all talk and has simply failed to deliver what he was asked to do? I think it's a mixture of things. I think things at Swansea have turned in the last few years, haven't they? They were very much a progressive club on the way up, mm. did things their own way and got results, and really the Rice River Leagues was you know, one hell of a story. Um, but they've really, in the last few years, just about been keeping their heads on above water. We saw it with Aston Villa a couple of years ago. You can't you can only do that so long. You can't constantly just about keep yourself there. Um and they've ultimately paid for it. Carvajal as Sheffield Wednesday fans, his first two years there, his first eighteen months, two years, he did a very good job. Got them to a playoff final. Um got them then to the semi finals. It was then when things didn't quite go according to plan. When when the worm turned and he was kind of up against it, he didn't really have a plan B and he couldn't really re-energise a side, reinvigorate a side and get them out of a rut that they found themselves in. Ultimately, it cost him his job. He went to Swansea, had that new manager bounce, got a couple of wins on the board and suddenly they've gone from looking cast iron certain certainties to go down to being in the mix. That run was terrific and it looks like oh they may just keep their heads above water again and then the worm turned very quickly and suddenly they couldn't buy a result that brought them into the midweek game with Southampton and to be quite honest there only really looked to be one winner in that game Southampton had the, the threat in attack that Swansea sorely lacked and at the end of the day Carvajal again when that worm has turned He's been unable to reinvigorate, re-energise a side, and at the end of the day, that's why they're going to go down. Yeah, and of course, as you say, played Southampton in midweek now under the uh, now under Mark Hughes, who you know again is doing has done his job almost certainly. He's only he's only going to get one team relegated this season. <laughs> fair fair play to him. He's not getting two teams relegated. 
a man who keeps getting more chance. You know, he keeps getting a chance. Um, but this time, you know, Southampton, we're, we're familiar with them being a well, not having not being in as much trouble as they were this season. But this is his chance. You would think to build a team, he'd build his own team for next season, and, and try and ensure that they are back to the top t- top half of the table. Yeah, I mean, since that uh, Swansea result, a couple of the players have come out and have been speaking about how they hope this means he's going to stick around longer. I think it was I'm right as he only joined to the end of the season initially. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if you know, if his mission was to uh, keep them in the Premier League with view to staying on for longer, then he's, you know he's done what he can. Um, I think, yeah, as you say, I think there was only one winner in that game at Swansea. The Swansea literally just can't buy a goal, and when Southampton have got someone like Gabby Deeney to bring on, you know, when they're looking for a goal, Swansea can only look on an envy. I mean, Tammy Abraham's done well; he's played played quite well in some games, but he's only got. Well, not much more than a handful of goals. Uh, and as I mentioned, the same with Newcastle. If you're going to do anything in the Premier League, you really do need a striker. Yeah. So not the most exciting final day of the Premier League season to look forward to. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what Sky Sports put on. Mm. But we don't know what games they're putting on yet, do we? I would assume that Liverpool would be on. Yeah, well, I suppose that would probably have to be. But even, even then, you know, yeah, it's pretty much there. done. Yeah. yeah, they get another goal and everyone turns up. Yeah, certainly not the excitement of years gone by. And one topic that will rumble on beyond the end of the season, the, the Arsenal's search for a new manager. Of course, Arsenal haven't had much to play for in a league for a while. Europa League interests were ended the other week. But according to our very own John Cross, they're now looking at five managers to replace Arsene Wenger, one of whom will not be Luis Enrique, former Barcelona coach who is pricing himself out of a move, which is interesting in, in itself, given... You know, he followed the Pep Guardiola route of taking a year out. Personally, think they're dodging a, a bullet. With really? That. Yeah. Did brilliant at Barcelona. Don't get me wrong. He was an absolute shambles at Roma for eight months when he was there. Um, tried to incorporate the Barcelona style of play, but it simply didn't work. And he kind of rebuilt his reputation a little bit in his year at Celta Vigo, and then went to Barca. You know, everyone seems to forget that after six months for January of his first season. He was basically one game from the sack. Mm. Then suddenly, I think it was Xavi Hernandez had a, a couple of words with Lionel Messi. Things were altered slightly. Luis Suarez started not playing out wide and playing up front. Messi started playing from the right. Neymar started to come into his own. And suddenly they went and won a treble, which pretty much saved him and then gave him two extra years to win two more, win a, another league and a cup the following season and then just win the cup the season after yeah. that so gradually that side got worse yeah. after his initial horror show of the of beginning um, and then this season you've seen Ernesto Valverde come and take it on by well he's two games from going the entire season unbeaten in the league so more Frank Rijkaard than uh, Pep Guardiola for me yes fair enough interesting so Conor basically the, front, the two front runners appear to be former Arsenal midfielders and captains both of whom have ties with Man City at the moment, Mikel Arteta on their coaching staff and Patrick Vieira, who is at a sister club, New York City. They were always, you know, they've always been linked with the job even before Wenger decided he was leaving, but it was always the, the, the feeling that City were never going to let them let them go. Can you see, like, you know, if, if one or both of them go to the City and say, I want to talk to, to Arsenal, what do we reckon? Are they going to get permission? Uh, to be honest, I think... If you're Pep Guardiola and one of your coaching staff, you know, there's a top six Premier League job on offer, 
and you know he's not just his coaching staff he's friends with them as well as he spoke about a lot I, I think honestly I think he'd go with it, with uh, Pep's blessing uh, I'm not sh- not sure if Arteta's what uh, Arsenal need right now or Vieira for that matter I mean there's a club with obviously huge potential but they need completely rebuilding uh, I mean they need a de- new defence new goalkeeper new midfield with pretty much everyone out of contract there uh, I don't know if it's if it's one to give someone their first job with Um I mean, but I also don't really know how they how they're likely to entice the likes of Allegri. I don't really get why he'd look at what he's got at Juventus, then look at Arsenal. Mm. Look he's, at... he's won everything he can win at Juventus, surely. No, he's won he's won the domestic double four years running. He's yeah, reached but it does get he's reached two Champions League finals and being turned over by Barcelona and and Real Madrid mm-hmm. pretty convincingly in both of those finals. You know, they've lost to Real Madrid again in the competition this season I, I don't think he can at this point take Juventus to European glory so yeah. so I, I think that's I think he, he'd be wrong not to be looking at where he can go next because he's achieved all he can achieve at Juve for me I mean of course he, he wasn't far away from extra time in the Champions League uh, quarterfinals well yeah um, well, you know had, had that gone differently and then no, but, but he didn't. But he didn't go differently. The year between them getting to both finals, they were um, beating Bayern Munich in like the ninety-fifth minute, mm. and then Bayern scored a late equaliser to take it to extra time, and then Bayern scored twice in extra time to go through. Same, same sort of thing. I don't think he can take Juventus because of the the golfing resources that they currently have to the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona. Juve can't sign the likes of. Neymar, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, they, can, they haven't got a player like that. No, they can't, but nobody can. So you, well, you no, well, no, so, mm-hmm. so you, 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 you can't compete, really. No, but you can't just say... Apart from the Premier League teams who have got that massive TV deal mm-hmm. coming in and the league is awash with cash, they're the only ones that can really compete now moving forwards and Bayern Munich because Bayern have been doing their own commercial activities for years and years and a, a money-making machine. Um I think that's if he's looking to leave Juventus, then I think Arsenal's a good choice mm. to go and compete against some of the world's best coaches, because that is seemingly what the top six are now progressing towards, all having their own super coach. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's we talk about go back to Arteta and Vieira, well, Vieira less so, but certainly Arteta, he is a coach. This idea that. He is, and he's got a really, a really good reputation. What does that, what does at that the mean? What does, it, what does it mean to have a good reputation as a coach? Well, you, you see it in various different ways, don't you? You know, you saw Rennie Muhlenstein had a great reputation as a coach at Man United. Yeah. Went to Fulham, absolutely flopped. Steve McLaren, a similar number two. Number twos don't always make good number ones. That's, that's what I'm getting at. The, the but another one, Chris, that... Chris Hewton, however, has had a very good career as a number one himself. You don't know until they are given the opportunity. No. But should they be Darren Moore? Well, exactly, Darren Moore, and yet he might still not even get the West Brom job this I summer, would argue, which is baffling. I mean, this is extreme, obviously, but I, I think whoever went in after Pardew was going to turn things around a little bit. Oh, yeah. That place was on the floor, yeah. so that he should definitely, I would have thought, be given a shot next season. That's fair. That's fair. That but doesn't, you know, t- I think we should stop short of uh, putting him out for manager of the year. Oh. So other names still in the frame for the Arsenal job? It would seem. Joachim Lowe, um, 
I don't see that. I, Isn't I a very yeah. decision, no, that's for sure. Unless Germany lose in the group stage at the World Cup and he gets sacked, I, I don't see him well, leaving there until the Euros. No. I, uh, he's, got I mean, a, he's got a contract until 2020. I'd, I'd be surprised if he left early. He's also, also not really got much experience no. at top, okay. level, no. top level club management. I mean, the, so the biggest clubs he's managed is the Fenerbahce, I imagine. He's managed a couple of teams in Germany at Stuttgart. But it would be a huge culture shock for him, I think, going from what he's doing with Germany to the day-to-day of club management. Yeah. I mean, he's been out of it for years. Yeah, he's been, what, 2006, took the Germany job? Over a decade now, yes. 12 years. So, as you say, out of club management for such a long time, it would be a difficult adjustment. Yeah. And finally, Monaco boss, Leonardo Jardim. Talk to me about him, Alex. Personally, I think he'd be... If I were in charge of making the decision, he'd be my number one pick. Only a matter of time, surely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cross my fingers, hopefully. I hear Arsenal pay quite well. Um, he'd be my number one choice. He'd done great work at Monaco, both in in terms of when he initially went there, and it was very much a, a club that they'd spent a lot of money on Falcao and James Rodriguez, and then they decided that they had to cut their cloth and that they were going to move towards signing younger players to sell on. Um, basically because the the owner, the Russian owner, Dmitry Robolyovov, I can't say I can't say his name, so we'll just go with that, was going through a somewhat messy divorce at the time and losing a hell of a lot of his fortune, right. if you believe speculation and what you read. Um, so he then manufactured a team that defended brilliantly. They actually knocked Arsenal out of the Champions League, playing a very defensive style of football. Then the following season, they were back in the Champions League, reached the semi-finals, playing some of the best attacking football on the continent. Hi there, it's Caroline Foran from Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please do follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. The sooner we all get on board with these measures, the sooner we will be all together again. While you're staying at home, here's a recommendation for another great podcast for you to listen to. I think we need a bit of comic relief more than ever, so why not try the Two Johnnies podcast, available on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts. ...and won the French League with a side that contained the likes of Thomas Lamar, Kylian Mbappe, Benjamin Mendy, Bernardo Silva. So he brought through a lot of young players, and I think he would be ideal for Arsenal. He's a pragmatic manager, he's a very good manager, he's had success wherever he's been. He'd be top of my list. Well, Arsenal Chiefs, if you're listening, there you go, there's stop your, man. your search now. Well, let's seamlessly move on from Monaco to Marseille and Lyon, all, all the French connections. <laughs> Marseille against Atletico Madrid next Wednesday night. The match that should have been, well, in some people's eyes, Arsene Wenger's final hurrah as Arsenal manager will not be. And, you know, Diego Simeone bidding to win the trophy for the second time as manager, having done so six years ago. Incredible tenure he's had in Madrid, of course. And we mentioned him earlier, Connor. you talked about him being ideal for Chelsea. But he's 25-1 to 1 to take that job, assuming it's available. He's not being talked about with the Arsenal job. Why, why, why is his name not it's, in the It's game? a strange one. I just think he, he must be completely reluctant to, to leave Atleti. I mean, mm. he's, obviously he's, he's not been short of suitors in the past few years. But he's never really looked keen to keen to get out there. I think he definitely feels, you know, his first year in the new stadium this year. I definitely think he feels he feels there's still a lot of potential at that club. And I think he, obviously he's been there a while now. I think he feels quite an attachment to it. But then we talked about Allegri. He's obviously won everything domestically, 
Alex has decided he'll never win the Champions League with Juventus. <laughs> Simeone tried and failed twice, or not tried and failed, but got to the final twice in the Champions League and lost, albeit narrowly. You know, what is there for him to achieve there? I think he, he's a. I think you have to look at a certain character though, and he is very much a character that enjoys raging against the system. You know, we saw him at the Emirates get sent off. Yeah. And that's just who he is, that's the way he is. He's not going to be on the touchline at the final because he's been handed a ban by UEFA. Um, and I think Atletico are the perfect club for him because they're always battling against Barcelona and Real Madrid. Mm. You know, finishing second again in La Liga this season is going to be a great achievement for them given the the resources that those two clubs have available in comparison to them. And I think that he he arrived at that club, took them, they were on the floor, they were in a really miserable state. As you said, he led them to the Europa League, built on that, won La Liga, two, two Champions League finals. He continues to punch above their weight mm-hmm. against the sides with bigger resources. Um, they go into this match as heavy favourites. And I would think they will come away with the trophy again. So it's another hugely successful season. Um, I think he'd be terrific for Chelsea. I think he'd be terrific for Arsenal if Arsenal were to give him time to incorporate his own way of playing and his own style. Um, Whether that's something the Emirates crowd would enjoy is another matter. I don't enjoy anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Apart from Carabatons. Oh. You enjoy winning. They enjoy winning, I guess. Yeah, um, I still find something to moan about. Them. Well, that's Diego Simeone. He always finds something to moan about himself. Yeah, true, yeah. Um, I think he's just completely at ease there. He's got the run of the place. It's very much his club. He's very much in charge. Um, you know, when you get to that sort of point that he's all about you and every decision from top to bottom, why would you leave? You know, it's yeah. the sort of thing we've seen with Arsene Wenger. Of course. Another challenge for him next season will be replacing Antoine Griezmann, he would seem, set to join Barcelona. It's, it's, it's an interesting transfer in that he was linked with Manchester United last season, decided to stay put because of Atletico's transfer ban. And this week Atletico have come out and been very angry about Barcelona's you know, approaching him, speaking to his representatives, etc. What a surprise, Barcelona <laughs> tapping up tapping players, up players yeah. through... Pl- other players speaking about them publicly or statements in the in various yeah. press releases and whatnot. The thing is, all Barcelona have to do, and I say all, but Griezmann's release clause halves from 200 million to 100 million euros this summer. All they have to do is pay that, which is partly what they're going to do. Is it just a case of it's so great from Atletico in terms of you know, they're going to lose the player? We've seen it. We've seen it from Barcelona in the past couple of years, though. They like to do things on the cheap. Yeah. You know, they keep on, they know what the price is at times, but they keep on trying to knock it down and knock it down. We saw it with Coutinho constantly last summer. Mm. Um, we saw it with Usman Dembele, who eventually went on strike from Borussia Dortmund to force through his move. Just the way they work. Maybe if we, if we sat here 12 months ago, £100 million, pounds, Griezmann obviously had a broken transfer record, but now it's only a couple of million more than Dembele was last summer. I hate to use the word bargain. But almost, almost is. Yeah, it is, to be fair. I mean, what is Griezmann, 26, 27? He's probably still got five years at at the top, near enough. I think 100 million in this market for someone like him, I think that's not to be sniffed at all. Um, Well, I mean, Barcelona still play sort of a front three type thing, don't they? I don't don't see where he'd fit. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. A lot of the time this season they've played a 4-4-2, effectively. Right. And so you 
you have Iniesta leaving this summer, so you'd have Coutinho filling his role kind of on the left side. You then have Suarez and Messi up front, and Usman Dembele is only going to get better after this season. Mm. You know, whatever's written and said about him leaving, that's just not going to happen. He's such a talented player who's had so many injuries this season. Um, he will knuckle down next year, I'm in no doubt, and take the Liga by storm. He'll probably play from the right. Um, so where exactly do you think reason? Yeah, not going to drop Luis Suarez. I mean. Unless you sell Luis Suarez. Well, reports right. in Spain the other day saying that they may well do just well, that. Seamless. <laughs> That's a, not my first rodeo. It's your Spanish sources again. <laughs> Kept under wraps, of course. So, back to Wednesday night's Europa League final. Alex, I'm going to hand over to you to give us the lowdown on Marseille. My knowledge, I'm afraid, is minimal. And Connor assures me that his is likewise. Well, Connor should be quite good because Clinton and G's there, of course. Oh, of course. Former, One of the former worst Tottenham. players I've ever seen in the Tottenham shirt. <laughs> well, there's a, few, there's a few Premier League flops that are doing quite well there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mitroglu from Fulham, he's been doing all right this season. Florian Tovan, do you remember him from Newcastle? Yeah, Where he so lightweight and absolutely dismal. He's been absolutely brilliant. He's got over 20 goals. He's played as a striker on occasions. He seems to have not put on weight, but packed on a little bit of muscle, and he's much more sturdy and and now a threat. And, of course, we've got Dimitri Payet, who he's going to be the, the difference for them in this final. If they've got any chance of winning, he's going to have to put in the game of his life. And we've seen before he can be the man for the big occasion. Um, thinking back to the opening game of Euro... 2016 when he scored that wonderful late oh, winner against right, Romania um, he he went back there from West Ham and it it, it looked like going a bit sour he, he didn't really hit the heights of his first spell at the club and kind of the fans were on his back and it wasn't going great suddenly under Rudy Garcia this season things have turned around and he has really kicked on and he has been outrageously good at times in this Europa League run um, his goal against Leipzig in the quarter-final was one of the best goals you'll see this season. They got very, very lucky in the semi-final. Uh, I can't stress enough how fortunate they are to be in this final. Shouldn't have been a corner. It definitely wasn't a corner. <laughs> losing 2-0 losing away against Salzburg, being completely outplayed deep into extra time, and a shot from 25 yards, deflects behind, referee gives a corner when it was a goal kick, they score and limbs. that's yeah limbs mm. madness Salzburg some of the fury at the end of that game was brilliant yeah, exactly. shouting at referees in centre circles um, but now Marseille head to Lyon which will be interesting in itself given that the two clubs don't exactly get on and I think there's already been a little bit of yeah, it could be interesting with the fans. social media um, Benjamin Mendy's been caught up in it actually yeah. um, former Marseille player with Marseille fans saying that they'll rip out seats and whatnot at the new Lyon Stadium, mm. as it is. And uh, the Lyon president, Jean-Michel Aulas, has not been too um, too happy about these things. Well, you'd imagine he wouldn't have been, no? Uh, well, I, I don't really think you have to be too too worried about fans clashing and that, since they've only got an allocation of about seven. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> seven per side. Mm. Was that, you know, that brilliant graphic from Atletico Madrid fans, it showed... Stuck up in the, in the it, corner. Yeah. Was it 16,000 each and it's a 65,000 yeah. seat stadium or yep. something? Yeah. Uh, I can't terrible. imagine where the rest of the tickets have gone. 
No, absolutely not, no. <laughs> we'll all be there, fortunately. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for that. It's your fault. This is your fault. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it's a game I'm really looking forward to because... If I was you, I'd give my ticket to a Marseille fan. Yeah, outside, outside, outside the, the ground. ground. Yeah. Let him, make it, let him do, let him do the work I've got to do <laughs> what, and I'll just sit in the fan park. Yeah, great. Um, I, I think it's a game I'm really looking forward to, it, to be fair. It's contrast of stars. Marseille like to play, like to entertain. Atletico, you know what you're going to get from them. They'll win by any means necessary. Um, I think Atletico they've been favourites all the way through I think they justifiably are the favourites for the, for the final and I think they will come out as winners I think it'll be close on French soil um, I think Marseille will give them a good game as I say if Dimitri Bayer turns up if he's on the very top of his game then they've got a chance well I believe Next week's podcast is indeed coming live from. Well, it will be live if you listen to it afterwards, but <laughs> it will be coming from Leon, so uh, I'm sure you'll be able to bring us all the build up. And Aaron then. Flanagan's back for that. Well, well I mean, shame, it depends how, how well people yeah. think I've done, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe I'll get flown out there. No, probably not. <laughs> anyway, back to England. The Championship and League One and League Two playoffs are upon us. Let's focus on the second tier. Of course, Fulham. And that tremendous unbeaten run after a slow start to the season. Almost, but not quite, finished above Cardiff, uh, missing out on the final day. They take on Derby, while Aston Villa under Steve Bruce and John Terry take on Middlesbrough. So, is this going to be a case of Fulham, great form, slipping at the last hurdle and now struggling to redeem themselves? Or is that reality check of losing to Birmingham? what they need to, to, to go on Alex I mean Slavisa Jukanovic has been asked whether their bottle is in question because last season they were expected to go through the playoffs and win and they didn't their playoff record is horrible Cardiff they needed Cardiff to slip up on the final day which Cardiff did mm-hmm. Cardiff didn't beat Reading ended 0-0 if Fulham had have won at Birmingham, then they'd be Premier League team now. But they were turned over 3-1 and they were really poor by all accounts. Um, so now he needs to galvanise his players again. Can he? You know, There's always been, even during this winning run that they've been on, there's always been that little bit of fragility about them. Because of the way they play, the way they want to dominate the ball, um, the way they like their defenders to split so that they can play out from the back. He's also lost Matt Target to injury, so Ryan Sessing on his back at left back. And yeah, he's played with the season this year. He's absolutely outstanding season. But he's it's from playing on the left side of a front three. Mm. He's now back at left back and they look defensively weaker. He had a real torrid time against Birmingham's Wes Harding um last weekend. And that's the first time you've said that on this podcast. That's that certainly is. Um so Fulham on paper are the best of the four teams but for me it's a very interesting I think it's a toss up between them all to be quite honest I think it it really will depend on which side shows up for these three games because I think they're all quite evenly matched Alex mentioned Sessegnon Connor Tottenham obviously one of the clubs interested PSG now emerging as another Let's assume Fulham don't go up. Not that that's not that I'm making any sort of prediction, <laughs> no. but he's taught them somewhere that you feel maybe the best club for him in terms of the fact that he is only 17. 
I, I, yeah, I think so, to be honest. I mean, the PS2 was ludicrous, wouldn't it? What a way to ruin your career. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, I mean, <laughs> genuinely. He's got to go somewhere where he's going to play. Yeah, exactly, yeah. The same as, like, Manchester City. Like, I mean... So what you're saying is Tottenham would be a good stepping stone for him? No, I'm saying Tottenham would be a good destination for him, <laughs> actually. Um, I mean, look at Patrick I, Roberts, now he's stuck on the bench at Celtic. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's, exactly he seems to be the, the, the obvious comparison. Yeah, I, I mean, where's, 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 where's better than, uh, than Pochettino for a young fullback? I mean, obviously that might not be where he sees himself in the future. He seems to have pulled a bit of a Gareth Bale, but just quite a lot earlier than Gareth Bale, I mean, moving for, uh, further up the field. But I think when you know when, if Tottenham do revert back to the three at the back, which they have done a couple of times in recent weeks, you know the wing backs, their defensive responsibility isn't anywhere near what it is if they're if they're playing in the back four, uh, and if they if they need a long term replacement for Danny Rose, then look no further. I think I think if I was him, I, it, Spurs would be the side that I'd be looking to mm. towards. I think that would be the right move. You've seen obviously what Deli Ali's done at Spurs, what Bale did previously, how Christian Eriksen's game has really come on under Pochettino. I know he was at Ajax before, but the area of is not what he once was. So I think Spurs, and assuming Pochettino is still there next season, is the way to go. Well, you heard it here first. Probably not, but <laughs> we'll go with that. Villa, Borough, Alex, interesting game. Two former Premier League teams, of course. Steve Bruce not had... But had plenty of personal troubles uh, this year. They too looked like they were going to be in contention for second place for a while and then fell away. That's an interesting clash. It is. Uh, Middlesbrough, for me, with the team at the start of the season, that I actually tipped to win the league. Tipped with your hard-earned money? With my hard-earned money, which straightened the bookies' back pocket. <laughs> yeah. um, Gary Monk was obviously sacked because they were underperforming badly. Tony Pulis is in there and... Interestingly, Tony Pulis, for such a defensive manager, has got the very best out of Adama Traore, who, if there's if there's one single player in this playoffs that can turn a game and just make it his own and win a game himself, it's him. He's, he's stats-wise, he's been absolutely unbelievable since Pulis took over. Nobody dribbles past more people. He's been creating chances for teammates. He used to be kind of a headless chicken, just running and... You know, not getting his head up to find that final pass. He's added that to his game now. And Middlesbrough seem to have found a system where he he's kind of free of defensive responsibilities without the team actually losing anything on that side. Um, so, being a former Villa player as well, I'm guessing he'll really want to impress. Um, I wouldn't be at all surprised by a Middlesbrough-Derby final, if I'm being honest. I think Derby come into it in, in decent form and Fulham confidence probably slightly hit after the loss at Birmingham that's where I'd possibly stick my neck out but of course I did back Middlesbrough for the title so you might as well stick with them now and of course if Pulis were to go up and wave wave by to West Brom and so on the way on the way back down Stranger things have happened. Well, that is all we have time for on this week's Mirror Football Podcast. As I said, Alan Flanagan is scheduled to be back when he hosts from Lyon and the Europa League final next week. I've been Martin Dorman, delighted to be joined by Connor Mummery and Alex Richard. Please do subscribe and rate, follow us on iTunes, Spotify, all the usual podcast outlets. Thank you very much for listening. 
Hi there, it's Caroline Foran from Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please do follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. The sooner we all get on board with these measures, the sooner we will be all together again. While you're staying at home, here's a recommendation for another great podcast for you to listen to. I think we need a bit of comic relief more than ever, so why not try the Two Johnnies podcast, available on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts.